Welcome to the Fourth Degree Podcast. Welcome to episode four, folks. Uh, not much to say here. I don't even usually do intros for these, but I have a cold right now. So if my voice sounds a little funny or if I sound a little off, that's why. I'm just recovering from a cold. Uh, I've got a little cup of tea here. I'm going to be sipping it as we go through, but hopefully that shouldn't bother you guys too much. Thanks for listening. I really appreciate you tuning in. Uh, so enjoy episode four. Tales from Purgatory. I asked ChatGPT what the top three uses for AI were in the near term. The response was as follows. In great detail, which I will not go into here, it listed healthcare and medical diagnosis, autonomous vehicles, natural language processing, and conversational AI. Well, this makes sense. If this weren't purgatory, these things would be what the people far smarter than me are working on. This is what we would all be getting excited about. But this is purgatory, and we are here to be tested. Nothing makes sense here in purgatory, so I was not shocked to see a release for an app using cutting-edge AI that proposes to allow you to talk to your dog. In Hindu mythology, Sarama is a revered deity associated with dogs and known as the Hound of the Gods. As the divine messenger of Indra, the king of the gods, Sarama displayed loyalty, devotion, and an extraordinary ability to uncover hidden truths. This name suggests a connection between the ancient mythological figure and the app's purpose of decoding the mysteries of animal communication. Oh, I probably didn't say the name of the app is Sarama like the revered deity associated with dogs. I guess I should have said that. That's an important point. Oh, well, we're in this now. So, by harnessing the power of artificial intelligence, this app endeavors to decipher and interpret the behaviors and needs of our pets and offer valuable insights into their perspectives. In technical terms, through a data-driven approach, the app collects information from various sensors, such as voice recognition, movement, and environmental cues, to gain insights into how pets interact with their surroundings. By analyzing this data, the app provides users with a comprehensive understanding of their pets' behaviors, enabling them to respond more effectively to their needs. We're talking about good money in the time of some very smart people being spent to develop technology to talk to your dog. Let me clear things up for you. Your dog is barking because they're hungry, or they heard something, or they want to go outside and take a shit. If it's mealtime, feed them, or see if they want to go outside, or holler at them to be quiet. That's it. What do you think? You think your dog wants to discuss the role of protest in democracy with you? Using AI to talk to your dog? Why do we need to make everything dumb? I can't look at TikTok because it seems to have caught on that I am interested in AI. And now, instead of the gambling and bro-related TikToks that I like, I just get swamped with get-rich-quick AI schemes. Now, right now, is the only time in history that you will be able to get rich using AI. That's what I would do. If I found a legit way to make millions, I'd make TikToks about it. The news is all agog over a study out of the University of Florida that discovered that ChatGPT could predict stock prices, you know. Some fellow in the UK picked a basket of stocks, as he called it, with ChatGPT and claims it performed 1.9% better than the S&P 500 over an 8-week period. Well, holy crap. 1.9% over 8 weeks. Let's all quit our jobs. Well, not me. I don't have a job right now. I have been using AI to assist in my job search, but it comes down to interviews, experience, and waiting. Ooh, the waiting. I think the waiting might actually make me go crazy. Anyway, all of the hacks I've tried, though, haven't really produced anything. But I digress. We are here to talk about purgatory, not my depressing life. So, friends, what do we make of it? How does this emerging field of artificial intelligence help us work through our challenges and tests here 
in this cosmic waiting room that we call reality? Or the better question is, does it help us at all? Or is it just another distracting temptation? In the wild and turbulent journey we call life, it's often tempting to seek shortcuts, to veer off the treacherous path that lies before us. The allure of quick fixes and easy wins beckons, promises instant gratification and relief from the trials that await us. But heed this cautionary tale, my friends. The easy way out, that seductive mistress of deceit, seldom leads to lasting fulfillment or true enlightenment. In the twisted realm of experience, through this crucible of challenges, we find our grit, our true character, and we emerge stronger, wiser, and battle-tested. The act of confronting adversity head-on fuels our growth and shapes us. Amidst the fierce chaos, we learn the lessons that endure, transforming mere existence into a roaring symphony of vibrant life. The world we inhabit is a vast tapestry, intricately woven with triumphs and tribulations, born of effort and pain that test the limits of our spirit. To forsake this weird and terrible dance, to opt for the path of least resistance, is to resign ourselves to a pallid and dull existence devoid of depth and substance. It's to cheat ourselves out of the intricate mosaic that shapes our existence. It is the same as renouncing the vibrant hues of a sunrise for the sterile confines of a monotonous gray wall. So, my friends, resist the siren song of shortcuts. Instead, embrace the challenges that dare to confront you, for they are the gatekeepers to a life truly lived, where the lessons learned and scars earned paint a vivid portrait of an indomitable spirit. Choose the path less traveled, for in the end, the arduousness of life illuminates our souls and breathes life into the essence of our being. Plus, that's the whole point of purgatory, to prove that you can take it. The weirdness is just a test. Embrace it. Weird News Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to a twisted world where reality takes a back seat and absurdity sits firmly in the driver's seat. Hold on tight and fasten your mental seatbelts because we're about to dive headfirst into a story that will leave you questioning the very fabric of logic itself. Picture this, a courtroom scene, a place where truth is sought, justice is served, and the bizarre reigns supreme. In the dock, we have Rachel Glines, a transgender woman who stands accused of flashing her genitalia at not one, not two, but three unsuspecting victims. The venue of these alleged crimes? A YMCA in the heartland of Ohio, no less. The plot thickens. But fear not, for this tale takes an astonishing turn when Judge David McNamee, a man whose sense of reasoning veers into the realm of the incomprehensible, renders a verdict that defies all logic and reason. Brace yourselves, for the Honorable Judge concludes that Rachel Glines is, and I quote, too fat for her genitalia to be visible. Yes, you heard that right. It's not a misprint or a misheard statement. It's an actual ruling by someone entrusted with upholding the law. In a truly baffling display of legal gymnastics, Judge McNamee asserts that Rachel's excess girth creates an impenetrable fortress, shielding her genitalia from prying eyes. The esteemed judge has stumbled upon an unknown anatomical phenomenon, one that is yet to be studied by the scientific community or even acknowledged by the laws of nature. Move aside, laws of physics! We have a new contender. You know, you gotta kind of marvel at the surreal nature of this case. As if the accusations of flashing weren't strange enough, we now ponder the connection between body weight and the visibility of genitalia. It's a scientific conundrum that would make Einstein scratch his head in bewilderment. Now, I must remind you, dear listeners, that the purpose of comedy is to find humor in the absurd. 
to shed light on the ludicrous aspects of life. But let us not forget the serious implications of this ruling. It exposes a glaring flaw in our legal system, one that should prioritize evidence and facts over subjective judgments based on appearance. As we navigate the choppy waters of our societal progress and inclusivity, it is vital that we embrace compassion, empathy, and fairness. We must remember that justice should not be swayed by a person's weight or any other superficial attribute. It should be blind, impartial, and rooted in reason. So, as we bid adieu to this mind-boggling chapter in the annals of justice, let us hope that future rulings will be grounded in reality, where the weight of justice is carried not by pounds of flesh, but by principles, truth, equality, and, you know, common sense. Next, let's delve into a tale of icy proportions, where an iceberg off the coast of Dildo, Newfoundland, you heard that right, Dildo, Newfoundland, has captured the world's attention with its undeniable resemblance to a certain part of the male anatomy. I'll give you a hint, it's the one that the transgendered woman in the last one was hiding with her fat. Hold on to your hat, folks, because this is one chilly encounter you won't soon forget. In the quaint town of Dildo, a photographer named Ken Pretty found himself... <laughs> face to face with an iceberg that defied all expectations. Rising proudly from the frigid waters of Conception Bay was a frozen masterpiece, an iceberg so perfectly phallic in shape that it left locals in awe. With a column that reached for the heavens and a domed head that commanded attention, this icy behemoth had the town buzzing with excitement, or perhaps one might say, titillation. Mr. Pretty, armed with his trusty drone, captured this majestic creation for everyone to see. The image spread like wildfire. I mean, why wouldn't it? Catching the attention of media outlets from distant lands like Thailand and Taiwan, as the story traveled across the globe, the people of Dildo reveled in their fame. Oh, what a time to be alive. But alas, my dear listeners, all good things must come to an end. Like a fleeting moment of passion, this icy delight could not withstand the test of time. Merely a day after being immortalized through the lens of Mr. Pretty's camera, the phallic iceberg met its watery demise, collapsing into the very sea from whence it came. Such is the fleeting nature of frozen art. I mean, who am I to talk? If mine lasts more than four hours, I have to call a doctor. This might seem like an isolated incident, but it's worth noting that Mother Nature has a mischievous sense of humor. She enjoys creating phallic wonders that tickle our childish imaginations. From towering rock formations in national parks to plants that bear an uncanny resemblance to the male anatomy, there is no shortage of giggles to be had. Let us not forget the infamous penis fish of Drake's Beach, a bizarre occurrence that caused quite a stir in California not too long ago. And who can overlook the pleas of Cambodian authorities desperately begging people to refrain from picking the rather suggestive Nepenthes bocorensis, you know, the penis flower. So let's embrace the absurd, the whimsical, and the downright silly. Above all, let's cherish these moments when the world surprises us with its uncanny ability to imitate the most unexpected aspects of our own human existence. As we navigate this wild journey called life, what's wrong with finding joy in the most peculiar places? All right, for this next piece of weird news, we're going to venture into the twisted realm of art installations gone wild. Uh, seems we have an unsuspecting banana that found itself at the very center of a culinary scandal. And an artistic scandal, I suppose. Yeah, more artistic than culinary now that I think about it. I don't know why I wrote culinary. Well, whatever. Because it's a banana. Well, whatever. Buckle up, dear listeners, for we will witness the collision of hunger, audacity, and the fine line between creativity and insanity. 
Imagine, if you will, a scene straight out of a Salvador Dali painting. The Liam Museum of Art and Soul, a bastion of traditional Korean art and contemporary masterpieces, played host to an exhibition called We. I assume that's how you pronounce it. It's a capital W and a capital E, but you never know with these artistic types. Amongst the curated wonders that adorned the museum's walls, one piece stood out, an artwork titled Comedian by the audacious Italian artist Maurizio Catalan. Now, envision this masterpiece. If I can describe it for you and create this picture in your mind. A ripe, potassium-rich banana meticulously taped to a wall. That's it. That's, that's, the, that's the piece of art. It's a banana taped to a wall. It's a symbol, they say, of both sustenance and artistic expression. A beacon of creativity that invited contemplation, analysis, and apparently a hungry guy. Hoo-hoo! <laughs> in walks... This is a Korean name. If I can't say, you know, European names, I'm not going to be able to say a Korean name, but I'll try. In walks... No Hun Su, a student from Seoul National University. Little did he know that his hunger pangs would propel him into the annals of art history. For no, the allure of the banana was too much to resist. He claimed to be hungry, having skipped breakfast as if his growling stomach was a compelling justification for artistic consumption. With a devilish grin and the audacity of a madman, No peeled away the fragile layers of the serious piece of artwork. In one fell swoop, he ate the banana savoring the taste of rebellion and potassium, all while cameras captured his audacious culinary defiance. A work of art once valued at $120,000 was reduced to nothing more than a snack. But fear not, for this gluttonous escapade did not end there. Like a deranged maestro conducting a symphony of chaos, No carefully reattached the peel to the wall using the artist's very own duct tape, as if trying to deceive the world into believing that his act of destruction was nothing more than a prank. As No nonchalantly strolled away from the scene, one cannot help but marvel at the sheer audacity of it all. The boldness. A student, driven by hunger and an insatiable craving, boldly defies the boundaries of artistic sanctity. The clash between the hallowed halls of the museum and the primal instincts of human desire becomes a performance piece in his own right, I suppose. Well, why not? It, it can be whatever we want it to be. I mean, it was a banana taped to the wall, for God's sake. So as we explore the far reaches of artistic expression, we may never forget the fine line between creation and consumption, between artistic integrity and a growling stomach. What is a banana, if not something you have for a snack? And in case you're wondering, it didn't ruin the art piece. A couple hours later, somebody else found another banana, taped it up to the wall, and they were back in business. Welcome to the world of Hanako-ho Harbor on the big island in Hawaii. There are a lot of tourists in Hawaii, and like all of us, they tend to use GPS to get where they need to go. It was here where a pair of unsuspecting tourists found themselves in a watery predicament that defied all logic and common sense. It started innocently enough, as most stories do. The picturesque Hanako-ho... God, why are these things so hard to say? The picturesque Hanako-ho Harbor on the big island of Hawaii became the stage for a spectacle that would soon become the stuff of legend. When a viral video emerged showing two tourists driving their trusty Dodge Caravan down a boat ramp and to the astonishment of onlookers, straight into the water. You heard it right. They drove their minivan into the ocean. And I just want a quick aside. Who rents a minivan when they go to Hawaii? But I digress. Christy Hutchinson, armed with her phone, captured the unfolding madness in real time. As the vehicle floated off the boat ramp and into the harbor, Hutchinson's disbelief was palpable. Tony Perman, who had the misfortune of witnessing this aquatic minivan ballet while preparing to pull his own boat out of the ramp, expressed his astonishment. The last thing one expects to see in such a place is a minivan casually meandering towards the murky depths of the sea. But the surprises did not end there, my dear listeners. The duel behind the wheel, seemingly 
completely unfazed by their aquatic adventure, continued to smile their way into deeper waters. As the video went viral, the world watched in awe and disbelief at this bizarre spectacle unfolding on the shores of Hanako-ho Harbor. Surely this was a scene plucked straight out of a... Like, you know, one of those TV shows that tries to prank you? Uh, I don't know what they're called. You know, Candid Camera. Yeah, yeah. Surely this was a scene plucked straight out of Candid Camera. In the midst of the chaos, heroes emerged. Ronald Jordan, a man acquainted with capturing the extraordinary through his camera lens, began filming the madness. Witnessing the confusion that gripped the scene, Tony Perman displayed the bravery of a true daredevil and leapt into action. With the car still floating, or I guess the minivan still floating, he ventured into the water, unsure if anyone remained trapped inside. Others joined the rescue effort, assisting the women through the windows and guiding them to safety. As the vehicle sank into the depths, a tow was required to extricate it from its newfound aquatic home. And amidst the laughter and bewilderment, the question arose, how the hell do you drive a minivan into the ocean? Well... Some light was shed on the matter. Somebody mentioned the substantial rainfall and the murky waters that obscured the boundary between land and sea, but this was the only minivan that drove into the ocean that day. So, in pressing, they found out that an ill-fated attempt to find a manta ray tour, uh, these wayward travelers found themselves following their GPS very, very closely. In fact, they followed it right into the ocean. In the aftermath of this water escapade, voices of reason and wisdom echoed through the air. Tony Perman, still in disbelief, offered his advice. Don't trust the Google map, lady, he proclaimed. Don't trust any GPS, man. Use your eyes. A valuable lesson indeed. One that reminds us to rely on our senses, our intuition, and the good old-fashioned art of, you know, looking where you're going. And so, my dear listeners... As we bid adieu to the tale of the ill-fated Dodge Caravan and its aquatic adventure, let us remember the power of a wrong turn. Let's embrace the unexpected and find humor in the absurd. Uh, never underestimate the capacity of human folly. Stay skeptical of electronic things and keep your eyes on the road. Hot take. What do you folks think? Is this a hot take? Maybe we shouldn't give addicts free drugs to help them. A few years ago, this would seem like common sense. But now, in the end days, it goes against the prevailing wisdom. In the desolate wasteland of Canada's national opioid crisis, a mirage of hope appeared on the horizon. The safer supply drug strategy. Promising respite from the relentless tide of tainted illicit substances, this policy aimed to provide drug users with free substitute drugs. However, as I delved into the depths of this peculiar phenomenon, I discovered a calamitous circus of deception and unintended consequences, making the opioid, making the opioid crisis worse and not better. Picture this. Hydromorphone, a drug that wields power akin to that of heroin, flooding the streets as part of the Safer Supply Initiative. The idea, in theory, seems noble, but reality has a way of twisting good intentions into something grotesque. According to an investigative report, recipients and cunning dealers have found a way to manipulate the system, diverting vast quantities of hydromorphone to the black market. The result? A cataclysmic surge in opioid availability, leading to a wave of new addictions and relapses, particularly among those unsuspecting youth. Eh, who knows? You give drug addicts free drugs, they uh, sell them to try to get better drugs. Who knew? Take, for instance, the harrowing revelation that the price of hydromorphone plummeted like a wounded bird, crashing 70% to 95% in various Canadian cities after the introduction of Safer Supply. An 8mg tablet of this potent drug once uh, commanded a substantial $8 to $10 a pill, now $0.50 cents to a dollar. It's as if the drug market was hosting a fire sale, but, you know, instead of discount shoes, it was lives. 
Amidst this chaos, the younger generation bears the brunt of the fallout. Lulled into a false sense of security, they underestimate the perils of hydromorphone, oblivious to its potency. After all, if it's prescribed by a doctor and marketed as safe, why should they question its dangers? Yet the reality is stark and merciless. Hydromorphone's power is akin to that of its notorious sibling, heroin. Combine it with alcohol, which is a great idea with almost anything, and you have a recipe for disaster. The youth are trapped in a web spun by safer supply advocates, who like an opioid diversion to providing them with condoms, as if it was some twisted act of benevolence. But the repercussions extend beyond the unsuspecting youth. Even those in recovery, who fought valiantly against the clutches of addiction, find themselves being dragged back into the abyss due to the siren song of safer supply. Physicians bemoan that nearly half their new patients have either succumbed to relapse or initiated a perilous dance with opioid use disorder, all thanks to this supposedly foolproof strategy. Yet, the advocates of safer supply are not ones to back down. They dismiss any mention of diversion as mere fake news, a convenient label to mask the cracks in their grandiose facade. The evidence is impossible to ignore. Reports from Health Canada, the very institution overseeing this ill-fated crusade, acknowledge the presence of diversion as an undeniable problem. Even addiction physicians nationwide hear echoes of the truth from their patients. The once tolerable whisperings of the afflicted have grown louder, demanding to be heard. They recount tales of hydromorphone's impotence as its feeble effects pale in comparison to the intoxicating allure of that wonderful bitch fentanyl. For those with a heightened tolerance to opioids, hydromorphone's promise of euphoria is nothing. It's, it's, a, it's a nothing burger. It doesn't happen. They need the good stuff. Disillusioned, they sell their meager share of hydromorphone to acquire more potent substances, perpetuating the vicious cycle of addiction. In a bizarre turn of events... Health Minister Carolyn Bennett remains steadfast in her belief that flooding the streets with copious amounts of free hydromorphone will somehow vanquish the fentanyl crisis. It's a delusion that defies logic, as even her own department's research contradicts this fanciful notion. Addiction physicians watching the havoc unfold warn that safer supply is not only failing to address the fentanyl crisis, but it's actually making it worse. Patients, bewildered by the rationale behind this misguided strategy, see it as more harmful than helpful. It's a twisted mockery of the very intention to aid their communities. But the pitfalls of safer supply extend beyond failed policy and skyrocketing addiction rates. They manifest in the suffering and disfigurement of those who inject hydromorphone against medical advice. I mean, isn't the fact that the tablets, intended for oral consumption, contain materials ill-suited for intravenous use, yet recipients desperate for a fleeting moment of release crush and inject these pills, paving the way for excruciating infections that may even leave them paralyzed, an unimaginable consequence born from a strategy designed to bring salvation. The federal government's response to the rampant diversion is nothing short of alarming. <laughs> I mean, what isn't with these guys? When confronted with inquiries about this widespread practice, Health Canada's anti-diversion recommendations proved to be inadequate and puzzling, drawing criticism from addiction physicians across the board. The chasm between Health Canada's perspective and the grim realities of opioid use disorder and the black market become glaringly apparent. One cannot help but question the institution's disconnect from the very crisis it claims to address. To come Compound matters, Health Canada's murky stance on diversion raises eyebrows. While they claim to disapprove of the illegal distribution of prescription opioids, funding a document titled Reframing Diversion for Healthcare Providers sends mixed signals. The document encourages doctors to, you know, turn a blind eye to patients selling their safer supply of opioids on the black market, urging them to appreciate the supposed benefits of this unsettling phenomenon. 
Within the medical community, discontent simmers beneath the surface. The majority of addiction physicians find themselves teetering on a spectrum of discomfort and reluctance when it comes to endorsing safer supply. Their voices are muffled and their concerns are muted. Whispers of coercion and intimidation haunt the corridors of research institutions, stifling any attempts to shed light on the harms and pitfalls of this ill-conceived strategy. Fearful of retribution, people remain silent, shackled by a system that demands their complicity. The parallels to the OxyContin crisis of the past are striking. Just as Purdue Pharma unleashed a torrent of opioids resulting in an epidemic that claimed lives, Canada's safer supply strategy dances dangerously close to history's mistakes. The aftermath of such reckless endeavors is often measured in lives lost, families shattered, and communities left to pick up the pieces of shattered dreams. As the sun sets on this grand illusion of safer supply, the haunting question remains, will those in power awaken from their stupor and confront the grim reality that stares them in the face? Or will they continue perpetuating this tragic circus where the clowns wear suits and the victims pay the price? Eh, only time will tell if Canada's opioid crisis can find solace in a true solution, or if it will remain caught in the clutches of a delusion gone awry. This has been an Abilities Ablaze podcast. Find us at AbilitiesAblaze.com. Thank you for listening. Please listen often and like our podcast.